Memo, welcome to the show today. Pleasure to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave and Emily. Uh, pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about LATAM and your role. And I know some of the listeners may know you from the Alexa days, early Alexa, Alexa days. That's where we met. You were uh, one of the developer advocates that did, gosh, you ran the entire Twitch channel. I still, I have a picture somewhere of you with like 10 cameras around and, and you were the person that was like writing all the demos uh, and being out there and, and working with devs on building skills. And um, how's that, how's that transition been for people who haven't heard from you in a little bit, taking over in, in a new role in AWS and really helping build developer community in Latin America? I mean, it, it's been, it's been, there's, there's a few parallels where when I joined uh, Alexa, I was pretty much like you, it was a handful of people. Uh, yes. It was in a big team, especially evangelism. I think you, you were on the team, Paul Kutzinger was on the team. And then I joined the team and it was uh, shortly after maybe Rob, but there was a, the four of us for a, for a while there. Uh, and it was like just in the U S trying to figure out what we were doing, different strategies. Um, and for AWS, it's different in the sense that I'm joining. Uh, when I joined, it, it's a way more mature market. There's all of these services. It's been going on for 10 plus years. But in LATAM, there's there's still a lot to do. And small team, when I joined, it was Vinny, the dev advocate in Brazil, um, and myself. And that was it. And uh, I've we, we've grown the team. There's uh, I took over the team a, couple, a few months ago, a little over a year ago. And we got a few more people on the team now. But it's still like it's a 660 million uh, people uh, region, so uh, it's it's massive. It's it's uh, kind of mind-boggling the scale. So there's a couple of things that are similar. Trying to launch new programs like we did with uh, Twitch on Alexa, and we went yeah. from I would set up cameras in a in a meeting room and then tear them down every single time to I found a closet that I could steal and I set up a studio in there. So we actually had a room in a in a in our nice like high rise in, in day one that was an actual studio. So uh, I remember it, that it fe feels the same in the sense that we're we're building something, we're taking small baby steps, and we're getting towards towards something that's a little bit more uh, more solid. And for the listeners, so Latin America from an AWS sense, what countries uh, are included in that area where you're working with the developer communities? Yeah, so probably Latin America and the Caribbean is a better way to describe it. Everything that's south of the U.S., uh, inclusive of all the islands. So it's 33 countries, um, and it, it includes everything that's in there. I don't want to list them all because I'm going to miss them. My geography is not, not that great, and I don't want anyone to feel le left out. But uh, yeah, anything that's south of the U.S., uh, including the Caribbean, is something that we, we take a look at, and uh, it's... It, it's super diverse, uh, they, even when it comes to languages, obviously Spanish uh, and Portuguese, but there's a few French speaking countries, uh, English speaking countries. So we, we really, we really want to uh, try to reach everyone there. I love that you include the islands. I feel like even America, like we have, um, what do we call them? Not territories in there. And they still get sort of ignored, like the Virgin Islands and, you know, obviously. Yeah, like Americans. Samoa and there's like yeah. a, a bunch of, yeah. It's wild. So I think that's amazing. Um, talk to me about like the cloud community in that region. Uh, what are the really like the highlights of it? And then what do you kind of see as challenges in that community? 
Yeah. So to me, one of the highlights for me to, to work here is I'm, I'm Mexican. I was born and raised in Mexico, uh, lived most of my life in Mexico. Uh, so wanted wanted to be give back in a sense to the community. I was actually, um, I, I pass as white. Uh, I'm, I'm very pale. My mom's American, so I speak English since I was born. So I don't have what you would typically associate with a Mexican accent or a Latino accent. So, and then I have a German last name. So it's oh, yeah. when I get on on stage, people don't look at me and think like, oh, Mexico. Uh, so there was even a running gag uh, with the evangelist that I would, uh, the first thing that would come out of my mouth when I met someone was like, hi, I'm Emma, I'm from Mexico. Uh, because I love that. <laughs> And this actually came from, I gave a talk when I was with the Alexa team in Denver and someone asked I'm me, during Q, uh, <laughs> so I, I gave a talk there and uh, someone asked me in the stage, like what university, during Q&A, what university I went to or whatever. And I, was, I went into it like, oh, in Mexico, blah, blah. And then after the talk, there was a group of people waiting for me in the hallway track. And uh, they were like, oh, we're all Latinos. We're trying to break into tech. It was so nice seeing someone that's a that's a Latino on stage, yes. and I was like, I mean, representation matters, and it I'm does. up here, and if I'm so if I'm not upfront with it, I can't like wear a, a, a Mexico jersey every, every day, uh, but but I I can like say it, so I, that that got me thinking about it, and that got me thinking about like doing more in the region. Um, I feel I understand the region a little bit better because I grew up here. I worked here for a number of years for tech companies. So um, I wanted to, to jump at the chance and, and the community, I think there's a lot of people like me that are in the US or in Europe that, that wanna do more for, for the region or that wanna do more in their local languages, uh, whatever that might be. Um, there's some challenges in the sense that English is the default language uh, in tech. We were talking about this right before we started recording, Emily, and, and you had you made a great point about it. So if you if you read a blog post, if you uh, watch a video, it's a global community. So it's really cool that there's people from all over the world collaborating in English, but there's also a, a, a giant opportunity for us to create more localized content uh, in, in in every region and in every language. So um, I'm I'm working on different strategies to get content that is more when we create content it's more localizable as a global team so local teams can take it and, and localize it i think there's a bit of a stigma or, or a nicky feeling sometimes when someone gives a talk or writes a blog and then you 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 just translate it uh you, you don't want to take ownership of someone else's work but also if you're the sole developer advocate in uh or like let's say on my team we've got two developer advocates in brazil it's the size of the US. Uh, it's a massive country. Yeah. So they're, they're never gonna be able to, to create the same volume of, of uh, content and high level, like world-class, or as we would say at Amazon, bar raising content as a cold team in the US or the global team in English. So we, we gotta be better about taking that and, and putting it in front of, of people in, in, in different ways. And one is translating, localizing, and being really mindful about it. Accessibility is a big thing as well Yes, in that space. You have a, such a good point around localization because I think sometimes we miss points. It's like, well, we translated it, but that's bare minimum. And you're missing so much of the cultural rich, richness of any kind of language um, or communication because you miss all those like pop culture references that are local to that region or that um, specific country. So that's, for me, that's what makes content really powerful, you know, regardless of the actual subject. 
Yeah, and kind of taking it and making it your own, right? Like I, the, the official translation for serverless is in both in Portuguese and Spanish is like without server. And I'm like, that, I, I hate it. Like yeah. I'd rather yeah. just use the word, word in English. It's more like yeah. a brand because there's servers in serverless if, if you haven't heard. So just like little things like that. Sometimes we do the way we do things in English just don't make sense in Spanish. So it's not just translating, it's localizing, taking it, putting your own spin on it. Uh, it's not perfect because like I said, I'm Mexican and I'm going to do it like with my Mexican blinders on yes. and there'll be people in Argentina. They'll be like, that sounded weird, but I, I, we're right. doing our best effort. We're trying, we're trying our best. We're, we're trying to push the, the, the boundaries. Is there specific tech terms? Because I remember being blown away when I was, I used to assemble, like one of my first tech jobs was I built PCs back when that was a thing, right? So you could go and you could order Dell and there was a, a PC City Computers. It was a, a Taiwanese family uh, owned in my hometown and they hired me. They're like, oh, he knows, he knows about computers. He can, and I could, I would sell them and build them. And then that sometimes I would hear them speaking an entirely different language. And then they would be like, Pentium and CD-ROM. And I'm like, CD-ROM, there's no, that's English. Like, like the tech terms seem to be like the English was almost invading. And, you know, coming from the Alexa, like I, I, one of the blessings of the Alexa job was really starting to understand the beauty of language. Like language is the history of that culture. It's very different than the written word. Is there some of that going around or is it all just like English tech terms stuffed in across all these countries? The serverless thing cracks me up. It's, I mean, there definitely is. It goes to the point where like everything in Spanish is gendered. So like a pen, a pencil or a pen is either male or female, but then there's no, there's no rule, like rules for new things. So um, saying like the AWS console in one country, you might say it's the male console and the other ones would be like, it's female. and if, if you get yeah. if you get enough Gender, different yeah. like people in the in the room, like if you get someone from Colombia and Argentina and Mexico and Dominican Republic, uh, and then you ask them, you're going to have like seven different opinions, uh, and it's it's a good way to like have a, a, a good conversation around language. But it's yeah. it's Spanish, but it's like there's there's a lot of differences there. We we try to we try to stay true to what we're the message is, but there's also in Mexico we we have a since we share a giant border with the US, there's a lot of permeation with, with English. So like saying things like motherboard or uh, serverless is, is not weird, like just dropping English in there every now and then. Um, in other countries, they're like in Spain, they're, they're a little bit further away from that and they, they try to translate everything. And it's, and it's neither is wrong or right. They're, the, both approaches work. Um, and, but I, what I do feel is that it, as communities, as customers, see us trying to speak Spanish, create more stuff in Spanish, they appreciate it. They don't care that, oh, I'm from Chile, we say it this way. They're like, I get it, it makes sense. They might send a funny tweet at me, like what you just said makes no sense in, in the context. There, there's worse ones where like, uh, I've been doing speaking in, in Latam for 13 years now. And there's a few words where like, before I got on stage, I was like, all right, remind me what the curse words here are, because I don't want to <laughs> drop one of those by mistake. <laughs> Because they're like things that are totally yep. like day-to-day -day words in Mexico that would be the worst thing to say in Argentina. Um, wow. So th those are always funny because I've gotten chuckles in the middle of a talk where I didn't expect it because I was like, 
I just said something I shouldn't have said. I don't know exactly <laughs> what it was, but I'm sure I'll hear about it after. I love that. Hand gestures too. You know, I, I'm monolinguistic, but uh, yeah, I've had to learn like certain hand gestures of like, don't offend people with random American um, symbols. Yeah. Oh, and like we speak with our hands so much more. Like my Apple watch goes nuts when I, when I give a talk. They're like, you just ran a marathon. I'm like, I know, I'm just shaking wildly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Do you find the language? So one of the things that bothers me about English being the default language of tech is around interviewing and hiring. Because I sat in on an interview. It was my first tech job, not the world's best engineering team. Um, And we interviewed someone who spoke four languages. And his responses were sometimes slightly delayed. And I find that when people speak multiple languages, it happens for a couple of reasons, right? If you're, if it's not your primary language, you're going to have like a moment of how to say something a specific way. But also I've heard, and I love this because it's beautiful. If you speak multiple languages, it's totally possible that one language captures something better And so then you're like, well, I wish I could say this in whatever, but I have to say this in English. And so here it is. Um, But I remember the interviewer, the main interviewer made a remark like, well, he's he's slow with his responses. And I was like, so how many languages do you speak, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't we looking at this as a gift? Why does it have to be this immediate um, speed thing? That's really bad in America, I think. Yeah. So there's the one side where like we... We're a global team, so I want whoever comes to my team to be able to collaborate with Boaz in Israel or Chani in Korea because that's like how thing, great things happen, right? So we need a baseline of English. But I don't, I don't judge anyone but by their English language. Like if I'm doing an interview, I'll run 85% of the interview in Spanish if they're native Spanish speakers. And if they're native Portuguese speakers, I'll have Vinny or, Mar- or Anna from my team do the interview in Portuguese first, and then they'll do an English check to make sure that they can, because I don't want to set them up for failure. I don't want to yes. be be like, oh, they don't speak any English. We're a global team. Their, ma- their director is going to speak English. Their VP is going to speak English. They can't even communicate with them. That's, that's a bad position to be in. But yeah. I also don't want to be like, oh, you have to have this perfect English, blah, blah, because it's unfair. I, I cheated. Like It just came pre-installed in my head. Yeah, uh, I was born with it. So I, I'm, I've been learning Portuguese over the last few years, spurred by my team. Like they only talk to me in Portuguese. We do our team meetings in Portuguese. We do our one-on-one oh, wow. in Portuguese. And um, that's it's amazing. Hard. Like, learning a new language is really hard. Um, yeah. And but when I went, when I could travel, when I went to Brazil yeah. and they, when I spoke Portuguese, people were so appreciative of it. I was murdering their language. Yeah, but. They were like, he's making an effort. Yeah. Uh, and one of the saddest moments in my life, to be honest, I, I was in Brazil. I was having breakfast with some community members. And someone said like, oh, Memo, your, your, um, your accent in Portuguese uh, is getting better. And I was like, oh, because like, it sounds like a Mexican speaking Portuguese. And they're like, no, you sound like an American speaking Portuguese. And it just blew my mind. I could not handle it. I spent like an hour just staring into my breakfast because I was like, oh. how, how is this possible? I should speak like someone that's a Spanish speaker that's trying to speak Portuguese. And they're like, no, you sound like a like a gringo. Like you sound like you're from Texas speaking Portuguese. And I was like, this is this is like I've shamed my my ancestry. I got to go. Gotta go do something. Like I gotta go eat some tacos or something to like of my Mexicanness. 
But I've even noticed, um, like this is like, so I'm from the East Coast, so we, we had different um, like immigrant populations, but people who were, who had, had come either to the UK to learn English or America to learn English, they speak very differently in, in small ways. So I can totally believe like you have these interesting influences that, that kind of guide you. Yeah, going back to what Dave was saying yeah. about the Alexa team, it really blew my mind when I was, uh, we started developing the language models to for like Mexican Spanish, uh, Spain Spanish, USA Spanish, and how how different those were. And like when, when yep. teams would reach out to me, I didn't work on, on the models specifically, but when they had questions, they're like, we need someone that's a native speaker to look at some things. And they're like, Memo, come, come over here and let me throw some questions at you. And just like little differences and subtleties um, that I never thought about because I just I just speak the language I just I just know it and then I was like sentence structure and thinking about it and uh, the level of entities and slots and I was like oh that it's just so wild and comparing it to what I knew from from English it gave me a better understanding of both languages and a, a bigger love of languages uh, after after working on that team for sure amazing now obviously Latam and the islands they're they are a massive um, group of people and cultures and languages. But what are the themes as far as you've seen with, um, like what are the, the technologies they're really interested in? Um, what Are they in a state of growth? Like what's what are you excited about for those communities? Yeah, so we're more in a greenfield, white space kind of world down here. Yeah. It's, it's newer. Uh, AWS isn't necessarily a household name everywhere we go, like it is in Europe or or the or the US. So there's a lot of places where we go and we say like, oh, AWS, and they're like, what's that? Um, so we we get to explain like what the cloud is. We get to go talk about the basics. Uh, we get to talk about just new concepts, right? Uh, I just gave a talk or I just recorded a talk that's going to be live for the America Summit in Spanish around immutable infrastructures and just concepts like that. Where, where they're like, it doesn't, it's not such a big thing once you're in the cloud, but if you're thinking about physical servers still, and I just come at you with immutable infrastructures, I might scare you or I might inspire you, but we, we, we always want to lean on that inspiring side I, I, with DevOps, with CICD, with uh, all those different, different, like they're more like philosophies than technologies. People feel like they have to go whole hog, uh, 100% pedal to the metal. Like if I'm not doing, if I'm not all the way to C, uh, CD, I'm not doing it right. And just trying to t tell people like, it's okay to baby steps, right? Move one workload to the cloud, build a Lambda function, do a little pipeline for like this little piece of what you're doing, learn from it, take your lumps, then do the big thing. We, I think I think it's like just an engineering, like tech person uh, thing where we, we just want to, eat it like take all of it be like oh all my code is trash i want to burn it all it's like okay yeah. settle down you don't have to do that people and we hear this feedback and this is something that's negative that we're trying to, to to work on you you first log in for the first time into aws click on services wall of services oh my yes. god click out never mind i'm gonna do something else it's overwhelming that's, that's, yeah it's not a good experience so what i'm trying to tell people is there's 200 services you don't have to learn AWS. You have to learn a service, a thing, a technology, whatever resonates with you. I hate these like religious wars we go into. Like I love um, one of my ex team members still at AWS, Eddie. He's uh, Eddie Zaneski. He's like deep into containers. Uh, is 
cloud foundation all the way. And I do way more serverless stuff because I was like doing stuff on servers, kind of containers somehow missed me. And then I did serverless and now that's what I like. But I, I'm like, we'll rib each other, each other, we'll send memes to each other, but it's never mean, mean spirited. Like I don't, I was doing stuff with containers last weekend just for fun. It's, it's great. Those are great technologies, but I hated that we spend so much energy fighting over like this programming language versus that programming language. But brings me back to your question, like what technologies are people using in LATAM still? I get a ton of PHP questions, which oh, yeah. I'm not an expert on, uh, but I'm a firm believer in, in good engineers, good programmers, good developers ship. So use whatever you is available to you, right? If you want to ship something on PHP, don't let someone shame you because they feel it's like an old language. Yeah. It, it it isn't. It's like it it works. There's billion dollar companies built on PHP. Why wouldn't your startup work on PHP? And if and if it's JavaScript or Python or Go or Rust or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. floats your boat. I'm cool with it. Like the cloud's cool with it. Like. That's yes. the beauty of it, right? Like it's so big, you can, it's choose your own adventure. I want to use PHP and use containers. Yeah, you can do that. You want to use Go and be serverless. Hey, you can also do that too. You want to spin up your own server and build your whole stack, but it's like fronted with a elastic container. So it's scalable. Yeah, also knock yourself out. So that's, yeah. that's the flip side of that, that wall of services, right? Yeah. You, it's a toolbox. You can pick and do whatever you want. It is overwhelming, so you, we got to find a way. And my team, my, the global DevRel team, is working on on doing more around that space. We 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 hear the feedback, and I want to I want to let the community know that we we've yes. heard them. We're we're trying to do something, but we're also we don't want to slow anyone down. We we believe in the two pizza team philosophy, where you're we got small teams that are delivering for their customers. They're going super quick, so we, we never want to tell anyone, whoa whoa whoa, you can't ship that or don't do that. We just want to be able to to provide some guidance around like this is my first time on the cloud. Yeah, that's amazing. No, I love that approach that it's a it's a toolbox and to pick things off one at a time. I talk about DevOps a lot and people get really overwhelmed. Like, well, how do we, you know, <laughs> do the DevOps? It's like, no, no, you do one little thing, you make one little change, you track the data, you see how it works, and then you expand from there. Um, yeah, but by the way, I'm I'm a huge fan of your book. Um, oh, so thank you. That. that <laughs> That approach, I think, is is the right thing. I think we over-index sometimes where we're like, oh, I'm going to do the 400-level talk because yes. I want to flex and show everyone how good how good I am. And, like, yes. beginner content is for, for, like, junior people to create. Yes. That, like, BS. If, if you can create beginner content, you're actually showing mastery because you're actually showing that you understand the concepts, that you can boil them down to, to their minimum, that you can understood your assignment, and yes. you were able to say like this is 100 level or 200 level and and do it right and people leave there with something that they can work on yeah you there's room and space and for 400 level talks but not every talk has to be at that level for for you to like show that you're the most proficient at x or y like yeah. bring for more me, people like in a, for me i i i have pretty high neuroticism it's always about feeling stupid which is why i've like fallen in love with tech and technologies is like i hate not understanding things and so i have this tendency and as i've gotten older i've i've tried to feel more comfortable with feeling uncomfortable you know and remembering what it was like and but when you figure something out and 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 
you get that dopamine rush from it, right? Oh, like yeah. you, you intimately understand that technology. You want to continue to to feel that way versus this thing over here, which is completely different. And I, I guess that, you know, I guess that's just a human being thing. You can apply that to everybody's opinions in life, right? But I think it's definitely when it comes to developers picking, right? Because how we, how we lang programming languages is taking human creative thought and automating it, right? And which is why we've got bugs and we've got all these other things. And I think is why we see that attachment. Memo, thank you so much. Let's uh, let's continue this conversation in, uh, in a follow-up episode. I know we still have a, a lot more to talk about. Uh, thank you to everyone that's listening for their time as well. And if you're interested in anything AWS related, uh, hit, hit any of us up. Uh, we're, we're pretty active out there.